appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to come. You know, I really enjoy it. And uh, can you hear me okay? Are we good? All right. All right. So uh, anyway, I really appreciate you guys allowing me to come and speak to you and, and kind of share with you what God's putting on my heart. But it's funny. I'm just like all of the rest of you. Life is life and work is work and stress is stress. So at no point do I ever stand here with all the answers. I just know who has the answers. So I, I just like to make sure you understand where I'm coming from right off the bat. But uh, uh, as I was trying to think about what it is that I wanted to share, the, the word purpose kept coming to mind. And as I've been traveling and working and going all over the place, as I have those strange moments in the middle of a venue in Las Vegas where we're filming something and I finally have a minute to talk to somebody and then they'll say, you know, I'm just, you know, and they're doing what you think would be the best job ever. And they look at you and say, you know, I just wish I felt like I had some purpose. And that word just kept coming up over and over. All of a sudden, purpose really meant less about what you were doing and more about the why in which you were doing it or the who you were doing it for. And then as for me, as I began to think about just life in general, do you ever notice that when things are done on purpose, it changes things? So like yesterday, I hear tools clinking in the shed. Okay, it's just me and Nicholas. I'm in the house, but I can hear the tools clinking. Well, that causes concern for mom, all right? So I go out to the shed, and Nick, we had ordered a part for his little ATV to fix one of the wheels that had broken. And I go out to the shed, and both wheels are off. Everything, and, and I'm, I go into freak out mode, okay? Because I'm already comma, comma zeros, credit card bill, I'm dividing by 12. You know what I'm saying? I know how much was invested in that little experience for him. And he's got it turned over, he's got both wheels off, everything's good to go. And it, and as I'm starting to freak out over the fact that there was only one wheel broken, but somehow you've taken both off, he looks at me and said, Mom, I did it on purpose. It wasn't random. It was, I know what I was doing. It was on purpose. You see, if I take this off, then I can do that. If I do this, then I can do this. Then they'll both go on and they'll be balanced, ready to go. He knew more than I did. It was on purpose. That changed the scenario from mama freaking out to mama listening. Because I didn't know that it was on purpose. I thought it was random. I chose this picture because you can see it was on purpose. There's the tight tuck. There's the nose clip. There's the eye goggles. She's ready to go. And whoever's on the outside of that splash probably didn't realize it was coming. But it was on purpose. You know, purpose, you know me in definitions, I need to know what everything means. So the it, purpose is the reason something is done or created, the why something exists. This is one of those words when you look it up, it has a long list of definitions. Motive, motivation, grounds, cause, occasion, reason, justification, intention, aim, objective, goal, end, plan, scheme, target, ambition, Aspiration. I mean, it went on and on and on. But my favorite one as a mom or in life in general is the point. Do you ever find yourself saying, what is the point? Cut to the chase. I hear the explanation, but I'd really like to know, what is the point? Something that I don't think many people realize is that every one of us is born with a purpose. The Bible clarifies that fact 76 times. One example of which is the purposes of a person's heart are like deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. 
It's an indication that God has made each of us individual. We each have our, our desires, our wants, our dreams, the things that we so long for that are very unique and independent to us. Some we speak, some we don't, but they're all God's fingerprints in our lives. And that deep water, that deep place where it's just you and God, he can draw out those purposes for you. It's an indication of the uniqueness, the unique calling that's on your life, the unique purpose that you're here for. So every person's born with a purpose. I have raised you up for this very purpose, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. That number one purpose that we were all created for was to glorify God. Now, when I'm talking to people that don't really have a relationship with the Lord, they, they always follow that with, but, but life is hard, but things are difficult, but finances are tight, but my mom is sick, but I've got this, but this has happened. Do you realize what they did to me? There are lots of buts. But do you realize that every one of your butts becomes an example of how God is delivering you, how God can sustain you, how God can take care of you, how your purpose has not been interrupted, but instead magnified? When I was, it was maybe 20 years ago, I went to the doctor, I was about to go to China, and uh, I wasn't feeling good, I was taking a lot of, you know, acid reflux, I figured it was just a roll-aid moment, but I get there and the guy says, you may not want to travel. Well, I travel for my, my job, that's what I do. Well, really? He said, yeah, you might want to cancel that. And I remember I went to the, he said, you need to go to the ultrasound next door. And as they did the ultrasound, you know how they do, and you can hear how big something is and by the, the beep to the beep, right? Well, they did a beep and it went beep, beep. I had a 13-pound tumor I didn't even know I had. Life interrupted. But I got to go to work. But I need to pay the bill. But I've got a schedule to keep. But I want to do this, that, and the other thing. But if something happens, you may not want to be there when it does. Okay, gotcha. Roger that. Plans change. But out of that comes a purpose. My purpose was not delayed. It was not damaged. God still had a purpose for me. But my story certainly got more intense. My story got bigger, got better. My testimony was really enormous at that point. You know you're an anomaly when you're laying in the hospital and they have the students come in to look at you because it's an anomaly. I had no desire for part of my, my ministry or part of my testimony to be something that's in a jar over at Riverside Hospital. That was never part of my plan. But my point in all that little side note is that you need to understand no matter what you're going through, it is not kept you from God fulfilling his purpose in your life. Amen. 1965, December 1965, the Beatles are on the Ed Sullivan show. They sing a song nobody had heard before. It immediately went to number one on the Billboard chart. It was Ecclesiastes. To everything there is a season, a time, to every purpose. Isn't that funny? Their number one big hit was scripture. And if you look at the words in the song, there are only about three other words in the song that are not an exact singing of that scripture. 
Number one, oh my God, it was an epiphany to everything. There's a purpose. There's a season under heaven. Yes, yes, and yes. God had a plan from the beginning, before you were born. Before you were a twinkle in your mother's eye, he had a plan for you. God's purpose for you is the one that lasts. Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Have you ever found yourself, oh, I'm going to try this and I'm going to try that. And it doesn't quite work out. You know, but you didn't really ask God about it. You didn't consult anybody. You just said, hey, I'm going to give that a try. You just say, well, you know, I'm going to experiment a little bit. I'm just going to see what, you know, everybody. And that still small voice, the one that says, don't do that. I remember I was up at Harper's Ferry, up in Northern Virginia Way. It was a park, right? And we had all left everything in the car. And we were going to hike up the little Harper Ferry thing and come back down. And, we, and it's about 50 steps from the car. You get that little knowing, something that says, don't leave your stuff in the car. All right? Well, that got divided by, I don't feel like carrying it. And the stuff got left in the car. Well, when we came back down, every window in that parking lot was broken out and everything was stolen. God was trying to say, hello, hello, just trying to help. Like, listen, it's up to you. Optional, no lightning bolt headed your way. Inconvenience will follow. But if you'd like to choose that longer inconvenience for the momentary separation from common sense, then go for it. (laughs) But he's got a purpose that lasts. It was inconvenient. I learned a lesson. But boy, did I learn to listen to that voice. It was nothing like that pinch of having to replace your license, go to the DMV and wait three hours, knowing God told me this was going to happen. But he didn't, he didn't get mad at me for it. He just said, look, I'm trying to help you, even in the little things. Just listen for a minute. Just listen. God's purpose can't be undone. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Now look at who's saying that. That's Job. Now I don't know how many of you have read that book of the Bible. That's pretty intense. All right? That guy's going through some stuff. But in the middle of all of that, he didn't curse God. He said, look, I know, look, your purpose can't be, I, I know your purpose won't be interrupted. Your purpose will prevail. I'm going to suck it up and keep going. Because I know that it can't be undone in the long run. There's a confidence in that knowing when you're, when, and Job, you know, he had boils on his skin and everything was falling apart and everything was casting him aside and he had nothing and it was, he went from greatness to nothing. He was in a hard spot. But in the middle of that, he still said, God, you know, I know. See, this is what, we're a little late in the book. There's a lot of stuff happened. There was 41 other chapters of, wow, before this moment. God works through all situations to fulfill his purpose in your life. Scripture reminds us in Romans. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He loves us. His purpose is for us to honor him. And because he loves us, he wants to provide for us. He wants to give us those opportunities to be a witness. Have you ever noticed that Christians have a unique word for when stuff happens that God delivers you from? It's called testimony. All right? Test 
Amoni, right? A story about the test, right? Otherwise, it's scripture. Let me just tell you what God said. But when we flip it to testimony, it's let me tell you what God said, then God did, and now let me tell you what happened to me. It becomes personal. That's how you glorify God in the middle of crazy situations. That story that you finally get to the place where you don't cry when you tell it, but you tell it. Or maybe you cry when you do tell it because they need to know it was real for you. There's not one thing that you've been through that God can't redeem. But you have to be, you know, it's the pearls before swine kind of thing. It isn't a story that, it isn't, your moment doesn't define you, your God defines you. So you decide and discern, where is that moment? And you'll know. You'll know. When you encounter someone and they're just upset or this or that's happening, you'll hear that same little voice that told me to get my wallet out of the car. We'll say, share that. And you feel this. And you go, no, I don't feel like it's grocery store. Okay. And next thing you know, you're going, well, you know, I had this and that happen and God took care of this and... The point isn't, woe is me, it's woe to him. Wow, look what God did. Such a horrible circumstance, man was a devastating, but let me tell you what God did. Because in and of myself, it wouldn't, I would still be there languishing and crying and lamenting all those things. But God pulled me out of that and said, look, you survived it. I didn't call you just to survive life, I want you to thrive in this life. Life more abundantly. You want more abundant life? Take the stuff that's happened. Pack it with my word and what I have for you. And now let's go carry that package to somebody else and say, you don't have to go there. Been there, done that. This way's better. Did you know that delight is required before you receive the desire of your heart and an understanding of your purpose? It's before. The world has always told us it's the other way around. Find something, figure out what your talent is, find what you're good at, begin to enjoy it. Then you'll then you'll begin to delight yourself in what you're doing. Because it's what you were intended to do. Well, the scripture is actually the opposite. You have to delight in the Lord first. Delight in that relationship. Scripture reminds us, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't say, hey, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. Then you'll understand why to delight in me. It doesn't say that. See, when he died on the cross for your sins and he delivered you from hell and he gave you the opportunity for life eternal, he has already shown you how much he loves and cares for you. He's already shown you how much he is willing to do for you. And now he says that abundant life. Those desires of your heart, those things you've yet to speak. Because I'm discovering that desire and purpose have this ability to intertwine. The things you desire to do are the things you want to be your purpose. The things you want to fulfill, be feel fulfilled in your life. Those deep desires that God has given you. They're not there just to nag and torment you. They're there to remind you, delight in me. It's a hint of a promise. Delight in me. God is saying, enjoy your relationship with me. Trust me. That little thing that keeps tickling somewhere way down deep that says you're going to do this someday or, or there's something you're called to do or there's somewhere you're supposed to go. Don't ignore those things, those deep desires of your heart that you may not have ever spoken to anyone that seems so irrational could very well be 
the moment upon which when you begin to delight in the Lord, when you begin to receive his loving grace and kindness in your life, and you take a step back and say, God, I want more of you. All of a sudden, those desires begin to come to fruition. Delight means to be pleased with, to set affection for, to enjoy. And often when I talk to people about delighting in the Lord, they say, how do you delight in the Lord? What is that? Is that just like praise and worship? Is that what you do? Is it, I read my Bible every morning. I read the two verses I get on my phone every day. You know, I read a psalm when I can. I've got the book in the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? All right? That's just real life. Is that delighting in the Lord? And I want to challenge you that delighting really means, can you trust his timing? His timing's perfect. We're impatient. Can you trust his timing? Can you rely on his promises? Do you know that his promises are real? Do you believe them? Do you believe they're for you? That's delighting in the Lord. Can you wait for his answer? Oh, Lord, now we ping the patience component. Can you wait for his answers? Do you believe in his miracles? Because if you do, it says greater things than I have done. That means those miracles are still ongoing. They're still available. They're available for you. Do you rejoice in his goodness? When you're in the middle of something bad, you go, Jesus, help me. It's the middle of the night. And you're praying, Lord, Lord, Lord. Even if it's something as simple as you lock yourself out the house, Lord, Jesus, let the back door be open. I mean, all those little things where we need a, a delivering moment, right? And that's the one time when my Cox communication security system will be working. All right, it's when I need to get in the back door. All right, but nonetheless, when you, when all of a sudden you're looking at this stuff and you go, okay, how do I, how do I rejoice in His goodness? Well, that means that when something has, when God has delivered you, when things have happened, thank you, Jesus, that I'm on the other side of that. Sometimes we are so relieved to be on the other side, we forget quickly how bad it was when we were in the process. Now, us as parents, when you give your child a gift and they don't say thank you, isn't it irritating? Just a little bit, right? When you've gone through extra ends and you've done whatever's necessary to try to give them something, and they go, and they walk off. And they're like, hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah, thank you. It's not that they're not grateful. They just didn't say it, right? And it's irritating. So we correct them. And we say, hey, oh, thanks, Mom. <laughs> All right, good. Because that was about to tear her drastically, right? God's not like that. But my point is, he wants us to be grateful. He wants us to take a minute to say, thank you. Because I'll tell you what, when I hit my knees, I got a long list of things I am praying for. And a long list of needs that I have. And a long list of desires in my heart. I got all that pinned down. But I have to discipline myself to start with the thank you. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you, I'm breathing in and out. You don't have nothing else, start with the basics. If you're having trouble finding things to thank God for, the next time you look at something, thank you, God, for my eyeballs. Thank you, Lord, I can see. Thank you, I can stand up. It isn't until my dad started not being able to walk much at all that I realized the value of walking. You know, it's funny, when you sprain your ankle, you never realize how much you walk until you sprain something. You hurt your back. Then you realize, oh my goodness, life is full of movement that I took for granted. So if you have to start with the basics of gratitude, do it. But I guarantee you, if you give yourself a minute, you'll come up with some pretty deep things to be thankful for, even in retrospect. Rejoice in his goodness. 
This one is tough for a lot of people. Just relax in his presence. To be able to get with God and just be quiet for a minute. Did you know that is delighting in the Lord? To just hush a minute. And you know, y'all know how much I talk, so that is a deep challenge. Buddy and I, when we're on the phone, it's like, <laughs> so, but to get with the Lord and just take a minute. For me, it's the point. If you ever see me sitting down at the point, that's probably what I'm doing because there's nobody but me and the seagulls. I love being by the water. And you just hush a minute. And for me, I've always felt closer to God near the water. Something powerful about that. But find that place, wherever it is. And allow yourself to relax in his presence. Learn how to delight in the Lord. See, because when you learn to delight, then all of a sudden the desire of your heart will come. Now, I need to clarify a few things. God will not give me whatever I want. But when I delight in him, I will want what he gives. Because I might want, who knows what I might want. Lord have mercy. You know, you come up with some crazy stuff that you want. Have you ever done that where you like really wanted something and then you go to the store and look at it and you're like, eh, it wasn't nearly what you thought it was going to be. Sometimes God protects us from the things we think we want. But when you begin to want what he gives, that peace that surpasses understanding, true love, eternal life, compassion, when he begins to provide the way, call on me and I'll answer you. Yeah, I'll show you the way. I'll give you peace at work when the workers are crazy. I'll give you favor at work when they're laying everybody off. Some of that stuff, you know, it's like that MasterCard commercial or Visa or whatever it is. That's priceless. A piece to walk through a situation that could otherwise just be turmoil. But I got to tell you some facts along the way. All right? Fact. Jesus lived, died, rose from the dead. Fact. Tomb empty. Okay? Tomb is empty. All right? So just clarifying that. Only living God. Only one to pull that off. Third day, rose from the dead. One. All right? One. No competition there. None. Right? All the rest of them still laying in their tombs. People visit the tombs within a minute. Right? So we, we're all in agreement on the basic facts of our story here. But there are some things that you need to know that God will never do. <laughs> Scripture talks about that deep water. So we're going to go into some deep water territory. Okay? Here we go. God will never lie to you or break his promises. Amen. People lie. People break promises. God does not. My covenant I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out from my lips. He doesn't change the plan. He doesn't rethink it. He doesn't offer an, a version 3 of the Bible. It is what it is and he will do what it says. God will never abandon you. If anyone has ever broken your heart, messed you up, left you on the side of the road, whatever, bankrupted you somewhere inside where you were just feeling as though you would never love again, totally devastated, God will not do that to you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. The Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Ever. God will never be too tired for you. As a mom, I can honestly say, and Nicholas will attest, there are times when he goes, mom, 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 got a thousand questions, and I'm like, honey, can we just wait? I'm tired. 
I feel bad about that, but it's the truth. We all get to the end of the day and somewhere at 1115 when you want to know why the Mars is named Mars. I don't have any answers at that point. I'm tired. I'm tired. I don't know. Because they ate a candy bar. I don't, I don't know. But look. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, never faints or is weary? He did it all. All I did is three loaves of laundry, try to wash the car, clean up the yard, weed whack yesterday, and I was exhausted. He created the heavens and the earth and did not grow weary. And he won't grow weary of you. I have heard people talk about, well, you need to be careful when you pray because you can wear God out. You don't want to ask him too much. You can wear it out. He don't want to hear it. Wrong, wrong, very wrong. It's in the book. Never grows weary, never faints, never fails to be interested in what you need. Never. God will never stop thinking about you. Do you realize it's a personal Lord and Savior? When you said, Jesus, I accept you into my life, he became a personal Lord and Savior. And then when we get together, we are collectively honoring God. But when you go home and you're by yourself, wherever you go, all by yourself, he is still with you. He is, you are still on his mind. You are that important. How precious also are your thoughts of me, O oh God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more than the number of grains of sand. And then when I awake, because I fell asleep counting... I am still with you. You're still there. You're still thinking about me. I'm never put on hold. I'm never delayed. I never need to press one for this and two for that, and then he'll talk to me. There's none of that. He's always available. And the things God will never do, God will never stop loving you. There is nothing you can do that will make God stop loving you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. What he said is, I didn't, I didn't force you. I died for you. I didn't make you do it. I did it for you. I love you and I care for you and I'm giving you the option to receive the love I have for you. An everlasting love that will last eternally. I, I'll never stop loving you. God will never remember the sin he has forgiven this one is hard for a lot of people. In Isaiah, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. So can you imagine? You go to God. So Lord Jesus, please forgive me, which I have to do on a daily basis because I fall short almost hourly. But I say, Lord, please forgive me. And though I'm still harping on it the next day, and I'm still remembering this stupid moment that I had, God has forgiven and forgotten. Sometimes we are harder on ourselves than God is on us. I remember something one time I was when I was younger, I was talking to somebody and they said, Well, I said, ah, I did this or that and I feel really bad about it. I shouldn't have said this or shouldn't have done that. Whatever. I don't even remember the situation, but I remember the comment, which was, Are you better than God? I said, no, of course not. Then if he can forgive you, why can't you? Move on. And I think we all need to get to that point. Whatever's going on in your life, wherever you are that's got you to this moment, if there's anything lingering or nagging, give it to God. I ask him to forgive you. Please, God. And then repent. Repent is where you don't do it anymore. 
and then you move on into that daily forgiveness. And God will never give up on you. Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard or difficult for you. Do you remember singing that song when I was there? That's always one of them songs we sang in church all the time. Nothing is too difficult for you. You remember that? There's nothing too hard for God. There's, you're, you're not hopeless. You're not helpless. You're, you haven't gotten yourself into a pickle you can't get out of. There's none of that. God is willing to help you. And he will never give up on you. So the point of all that, those seven things that God will never do, is that you're a whole lot stronger than you may think. If the God who, who created the heavens and the earth got time for you, who cares about your problems, who's always available, who never grows weary of hearing it, we grow weary. Aren't those those people in your life when every time you see them, they want to tell you all the problems that they got going on, and they tell you the same problem over and over and over, and all of a sudden we're growing weary. Because they don't want to hear anything we've got to say. They don't want to hear any direction. They just want to tell you the problem. God doesn't grow weary of that. He'll, he'll listen. He'll listen and listen and listen until finally you can speak. But you are a lot stronger than you may think. You're not in this life alone. You don't go through every day all by yourself. And then when you kneel by your bed at night, go, Lord Jesus, God, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. No. He's been with you all day. All day. But sometimes we've got to do faith and life and Christianity and belief and the Bible and promises on purpose. We, we tiptoe in. We don't want to get stuff wet. We kind of dabble in it. It's kind of fun. But heaven forbid we haul off, grab our knees and jump in and believe that all things are possible. That God loves you so much that you're on his mind all the time. That yeah, you fall short, but he forgives consistently. Just ask him. You don't need to carry the burden around anymore. You got to jump in. And when you jump in, there's some enjoyment that comes with that. I remember I took my folks on a trip. I was working out uh, in Hawaii. And I took my folks, my family with me one time. Because, uh, you know, once you travel a lot, you get a lot of miles, so you got to use them up. Because predictable surprise is they will disappear. So, uh, anyway, I took them to Hawaii, and I, uh, I had made some plans. And I said, all right, Daddy, we're going to go see some big fish. So we went out and did all that. And I said, let's go snorkeling. Well, my mom is a beautiful woman who, who is just, she's just so petite and so quiet and really dainty. And, and, and uh, we go to get on this boat to go snorkeling, and we get on the boat, and she's all right. She just looks perfect. And she said, I don't want to get my hair wet. All right. Okay, so we're on the boat at this point. We're heading out. We're going to go snorkeling. It's about 40 or 50 feet of water, and uh, she doesn't want to get her hair wet. And I'm thinking, how is that possible? All right? Well, the captain overhears it, and he says, oh, it's no problem. It's no problem at all. Gotcha. He goes, grabs a boogie board, cuts a hole out of it, shoves a mask in it, and says, here you go. Sure enough, she gets in the water. She looks through it all the things. She gets out. Complete no makeup messed up. No hair messed up. She looks great. We all get on the boat looking like we have been drugged by a mule down a dirt path. And she's just ready. She is. But the, the point of all that was we all, we all hopped in on purpose. We were getting in there on purpose. And she was like, well, I know that would probably be a really great experience, but not for me. 
She wanted to make sure she kept everything kind of straight before all that happened. Now she'll kill me for telling that story. But the point of that, the point of it is, at some point, we have to draw our knees up and hop in. We've got to quit worrying about what am I going to look like while I'm doing it. Get in. Get wet. Let's go. It was really funny. I, on a side note, I remember as I was doing it, the, he said, oh, yeah, we're going to go by the shelf. And this shelf drops down to 300 feet. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to stay over here on the 40-foot side. Well, it wasn't until I got in there that I realized that as I'm looking at the little fishes, I kept finding myself going, because you could see off the shelf into this black. And in my head was forever, (laughs) 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 So I found myself not being able to enjoy it out of the sheer sense that at some point I was a chicken nugget. But but again, you got to jump in. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let your fear of what could happen, what might happen, what might get messed up stop you from enjoying it. Hop in. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You got to hop in. Believe it. Quit worrying about what other people tell you. I saw this on one of those little poster things hanging up someplace, and it really spoke to me. I can is far more important than IQ. If you've ever had anybody tell you, well, you're just not smart enough to do that. You're not trained enough to do that. You're not able to do that. There's a reason. There's a cause. There's a the probability and statistical reason why that would happen. If God has called you to do it, go for it. God will provide a way. I laugh. You know, I, when I was in high school, I had a guidance counselor that was not very nice. And uh, the rest of them were good. I don't, I don't really, I don't even remember her name. I think I blocked it out. But uh, anyway, she was one of those really motivational people that would tell you, well, I don't think you should do that. I think that's just a waste of your parents' money. <laughs> wow. And I was playing softball, and she said, well, you know, people that play ball or sports, they're really not that smart to start with. Well, when I finished at Harvard, I wanted to send her a note. Hey, stupid got done! <laughs> All right? All right? So it wasn't, it was not, that was not the moment. That was not the defining season of my life. The seasons change and you move on. And you know what happens is as your seasons change, your motivations change, your knowledge of God changes, the ability to believe that great things can happen changes. And all of a sudden you're taking some risks that lead to some pretty big rewards because all things are possible. But had I listened, had I listened, I'd have never gone to college. Because she was convinced that if you played softball, you were stupid. Well, that's okay. I don't care. It was kind of ironic that the very thing you enjoy, somebody wanted to tell you was going to prevent you from being all that you could be. You've got to choose who you listen to. Who has spoken into your life that has implied that there's some reason why you can't do what you feel in your heart you're supposed to do? Because I'm going to tell you right now, you've got two choices. Either they motivate you to move on or they stop you where you stand. Pick one. And I suggest motivate. Not with bitterness, not with irritation, but with a genuine desire to go, you know, I know better than you do about me. I know better than you do about the God who's called me to do what I'm doing. I know him better than you do for me. People sometimes are well-intentioned, but then sometimes, and I have to tell them Nicholas this all the time, you never know what's going on with them. Have you ever seen somebody who's struggling with something? 
and you got to talk to them. And the advice that they give you is really more out of their struggle than it is out of the possibility of being delivered from struggle. They want to speak to you about, well, you better prepare for this. You better do that. Well, I saw this. Well, you better do that. You better set that aside. There's some wisdom in learning. But in many cases, where fear is leading the way, there's no faith for the big stuff. Break free. Jump in. Believe for the big stuff. Defy logic. It's completely illogical that Moses could stab. Take his staff and throw it on the ground. It turns into a snake and eats the other one. Remember that? Charlton Heston moment. Completely illogical. That he could bang and the sea go, okay? Completely illogical. That a leper would be healed. Completely illogical. The blind could see. Completely illogical that the woman by the well, Lord have mercy, be forgiven, and go on to live a good life. It's completely illogical that Jesus would be crucified. He would be pierced to where he was suffocating, broken, beaten, battered, thrown into a grave with a stone so heavy it took three guards to roll it, and then they left one in front of it, and he still got out of it. Completely illogical. A lot of, a lot of really high IQ people can't fathom that. Right? But I don't want to think my way into heaven. I want to believe my way into heaven. Far more than I can ask or think he can do. So you got to do it on purpose. On purpose, leap in, jump in, on purpose. Many of our troubles come from the basing our choices on unreliable authorities. We look at culture, well, you know, everyone is doing it. And then we got, of course, we got to look at tradition. Well, we've always done it that way. You know, they say the definition of crazy is continuing to do things the exact same way and expecting a different result. Tradition, that's what we've always done. The reason, well, well, it seemed like a logical decision to go ahead and try that, or just emotion. It felt right. Folks, hot newsflash, feelings lie. Sometimes things that feel like the right decision often are the wrong one. And sometimes the ones that feel like, oh, I don't want to do that, turn out to be the exact right thing to do. You ever experience that? So what we really need is a standard that is solid and true, that empowers us to believe and fulfill our God-given purpose, that cares about that deep, unspoken desire of our heart. Oh, wait, we got that. It's in the Bible. It's version 1. Okay. Uh, now we just need to read it. It's not real complicated. You just need to read it. And I've told you this a hundred times. You know, the guy at the garage sale who was selling his Bible, and I said, why are you selling it? And he said, I read it already. As your seasons change, the very scriptures that you read as a child will take on a different meaning. As the seasons change and the desires of your heart are ignited, the scriptures that you once read and wondered how they were significant all of a sudden bear fruit. As the seasons change and you grow older, it doesn't mean your purpose has diminished. It means that the light is brighter because you've been through more, you know more, and you know how to apply what you're reading. And your testimony can be powerful both through experience, knowledge, and relationship. God's word ignites our purpose-filled directions. If there's something in your heart you want to do, somewhere you want to go, something you want to be, 
Know who can empower you to get there. Because if it's God's purpose for your life, nobody, no lack of money, no lack of time, no lack of job, none of the things that we see are these big lack components that prevent you from doing things are a hindrance for God. None of them. So the question we really need to answer is we need to understand, find out how to understand our purpose and the desire of our hearts. In this season of life, we have to answer these questions. Who is our authority? Who is the authority in your life? Who speaks into your life and provokes change? Who or what have we allowed to define or limit our purpose? Like the lady in high school who had a little too much to say, but praise the Lord, God's voice was larger and louder than hers. Or what do you really delight in? Is life just overwhelmed? Is work just taken over? Has process just superseded joy? Because a lot of people I'm talking to these days, life is complicated. But there is an opportunity to delight in it. Let's show this little video. go together. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight. Delight. Find a way to enjoy your faith. It's not drudgery. It's not just saving you from hell. Though that is pretty important. It is allowing you to live a life more abundant. A life you can enjoy. 
life full of his graciousness. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Before you were born, you had a future and a hope and a purpose. Remember to delight first. Trust his timing. Rely on his promises. Wait on his answers. Believe in his miracles. Rejoice in his goodness. Relax in his presence. And add on. Listen for his voice. Live on purpose. Have faith on purpose. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that you love us and care for us. We are so grateful that each one of us is here on purpose. That you have a purpose for each and every one of us. And that, God, you desire us to delight in you. So I pray right now, Lord, if there is anyone listening, anyone within the sound of my voice, who just says, you know, I want to know the Lord. I want to know how to delight in him. Life has been so hard. I pray right now that you just simply say, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Please forgive me. Please forgive me for my sin and help me, Lord God, to know you, to hear you, to to want to be with you. Help me, God, to, to discipline my life to the point that I make time for you. And thank you, God, that when you hear us pray and you do listen, you, Father, have a very personal interest in our lives. You have called us, God, by name. And you have a purpose for each and every one of us. Lord, I ask right now, anyone listening who just needs to hear your voice, who may know you but has not delighted, I pray a spirit of joy into their lives right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, for a sense of delight, a sense of enjoyment, a sense that we are no longer going to trudge through this life, but we are going to thrive in this life in Jesus' name. Anyone who's sick, minister to them right now. Anyone, Lord God, who's struggling financially, minister to them now. Anyone, Lord God, who has a need, who has never been spoken, who is silently carrying it alone, we pray right now, Lord God, deliver them and bring them into that peace and understanding that there's a joy that comes with knowing you. Renew our strength, Lord God, and restore our joy, Lord Jesus. Jesus' name I pray.